0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a fresh episode of Sam's Business Growth Show. I'm delighted today to be joined by the legend that is Mike Winnett. Uh, By day, he puts Get Rich Quick Gurus to the test with his Contrepreneur series on YouTube. And by night, he creates videos and content to help companies generate more business with his company, I Am Productions. Mike, a very warm welcome to the show, mate. Looking forward to this. How are you doing?
1: All right, yeah. How are you? Good.
0: Yeah not too bad cheers pal all, all good on this side. So um plenty of stuff I want to chat through today mate. Plan for the plan for the podcast plan for the show is really to do about 30 minutes kind of cracking through your story that kind of stuff um a few business growth tips and uh go through that if that sounds alright.
1: Yeah sound cool.
0: Decent. So um a lot of people might know you Mike as uh being uh someone on LinkedIn who's a bit controversial. So I know from my experience. I think it must have been about two, maybe two and a half years years ago. I saw you kind of come out the woodwork, start putting these controversial posts on LinkedIn, and I thought, "Cool, who's this guy? It's, this stuff's pretty funny, and it, it seems to be getting quite a lot of traction." And I know from there, you've you've obviously run your series on YouTube, and some people might only think that you're you're doing this stuff, and kind of put, interviewing entrepreneurs, putting out funny content. And what they may not realize is you've actually run and sold a successful business for about 8 million quid or so. And now you're, you're doing the same with IM Productions. So I'd love to chat through, learn a bit more about your background, Mike, learn a bit more about your story, how you, why and how you started this business. So for anyone that's, that doesn't know the real background behind Mike, can actually learn learn a bit more and put the pieces of the puzzles together, mate.
1: Get learnt. That's what's going to happen, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's it. So um yeah, if we could if we could start from, from the top, really, if you could tell us a bit more about what you're doing at your previous company and why you started it, how you built it up to to be such a successful code to the point of selling, I think that'd be quite interesting for everyone. Well the
1: dream is to put all this into a course, a sixty seven step guide and sell it to all you guys for one nine nine seven. That's my actual dream. But the reality is There's so many variables outside of your control that result in whether you do get a big exit or not that I can't really put it in a course. And that's kind of what my issue is with a lot of the entrepreneurs. But my original company was a online learning and development company. And we made content to assist corporate companies, train their staff. So it could be anything on um, cybersecurity. It could have been data protection. It could have been how to upsell um, in retail, while at the till so you know oh, you've bought some trousers here buy a belt with that so it was basically training materials um, that we provided to the learning and development teams within these organizations for them to use as part of a blended learning approach so I worked in LD basically and uh, I it. come up with the idea of that business with three of my friends all from Warrington um and it was a plan to sort of create I hate using sort of phrases like this, but at the Netflix of learning. So we looked at everything that was wrong with e-learning at the time. And it was people charged you per head, per course, new content would come out and then they try and charge you more. And we just thought it's so outdated and also learning development content, especially e-learning was glorified death by PowerPoint. Really. It's like a three hour course on time management, like the irony. Um. So no one wants to click next on slides for three hours. So it was almost like, how do we learn in real life? So I would go on YouTube and I'd look at a video and teach me how to set my Sky Plus box in 30 seconds or how to, you know, what whatever. You go on YouTube and you find a one minute, two minute video. So why isn't learning yeah, sure. development like that? So we just created a very short version of e-learning animated explainer video. And that's why in a lot of my content that I use now, you might notice that I use animations a lot. So um, that was just because that was our skill set in the previous business. So it was basically why learn at work different to how we learn at home. It didn't make any sense to me. And then I looked at what industry, I say I looked at, it was it was the four of us. We looked at what was wrong with the e-learning industry and it was uh, overpriced. It was long contracts. It was crap content. It was basically made by computer geeks um, and not L&D people. So we just created a style of learning that we would enjoy and where we were clever, we didn't want to compete with people's platforms. Um, we just wanted to make a software that would work on anybody's platform, which meant then that we could partner with people and a very, very long story short with highs and lows. We had a three year plan to scale the business and then exit for 10 million, which we failed at. We, we took 8 million after two and a half years. Job done,
0: Job done. Simple as that. Quick. I mean, <laughs> I've done it. That's Matt. My... That's mad, really. I mean, two years, eight million sold, which is a decent feat. I mean, what were some of the, because like I was saying, a lot of people, some of my mates that I've talked to that have just seen you on LinkedIn posting content, literally just thought that you created these entrepreneur videos, you created controversial content, funny content, content that they enjoy, but didn't actually realize you set up this business. I mean, I didn't until probably about six months or so ago when I think I heard you on the interview with, I think it's probably Benjamin, and you talked a little bit about it in your background and stuff like that. Um what did you do? What was some of the planning that, that made it happen so fast, man? Was it just because you found this gap in the market? or
1: No, well, it was partly that, but it was also partly because we started with the end in mind. So we started with, we want to sell the business on this date for this amount. How do we make it that worth that amount by that date? Backward planned it and then thought, so we need to have X amount of customers paying an X amount. Um, we need to have these partnerships. We needed to look at who could potentially purchase us in three years time. So it was, we were then making moves to make that happen before we even had a product really and then it was like when you've got your own business it feels weird sometimes talking about business when people just think that just cock about and just take the piss out of entrepreneurs and stuff but yeah so i had to look at who would purchase uh, again and when i say i it was all of us who could purchase this product so what companies do what we do uh, do, what what companies do we complement in that space and then you'd try and get on their radar. So we would create a product. So we knew we could sell that business to uh, LMS, which is a learning management system, like an LMS provider or a learning platform that needed content. That was one person or uh, one business we could sell to. But equally, if they've got a, a learning uh, platform that's worth maybe 50,000 or 100,000, for their clients, they're making a 5,000 or 10,000 pound additional sur- um, purchase for content it's an easy sell. That's an easy sell for that company. So the natural thing for them to do is to buy us, offer our content to all their existing clients, and then in theory, offer their product, their learning and management system to our clients. Um, and eventually that's what happens. So we proactively partnered some learning um, management system uh, companies, so platform providers, and then proactively, so we had two strategies to exit targeted other client uh, sorry other um companies clients so it's okay. a case of either partner with us because you can see it benefits your customers number one that was our first sort of target market to buyers uh, to um, exit with or buyers because we're going to take all your customers and we just went in and absolutely steamrolled the competition so we had people saying we wouldn't be around in three years uh, sorry in three months let alone three years and it was them companies that at the end were trying to buy us because we were taking all their customers. We absolutely looked at everything that was wrong with the industry. So, why charge per head? We would just part, uh, charge a, um, a cancel any time monthly subscription to these companies. So, we were offering our, uh, our um, product at sort of 10% of the cost of our competitors. And really, we were doing that not just to make the money. We were doing it for number one, to grab market share straight away. But number two, it hurts you more if you're trying to sell content at 50 grand and I'm selling it at five grand, it's costing you 45 grand. You see what I mean? So yeah. you're losing your client base to us. So while we we're only making five grand, we weren't being greedy, but equally we thought it's overpriced. Like if I make a digital product and it goes, that kind of goes on to what I'm talking about with the entrepreneur. So if I make a dig- digital product and you're a small business with 20 people, and I charge you £500 a month to use it. If you then scale and you grow to 30 people, well, it makes no difference to me. It's not costing me anything more to make it available to the extra staff in your company. Whereas all of our competitors saw that as, oh, well, we can make more money here. We can charge you more for more users. Well, we didn't. We just said, well, if you scale and grow your business, brilliant. It doesn't cost us more whether you've got 10,000 staff or 1,000 staff. It's a digital product. It's, it's all profit margin. So we didn't charge anymore. So if your business grew, good luck to you. We weren't going to try and profit on that. And then we also didn't want to keep customers that didn't like working with us. So if you want to leave, leave. There's no penalty of leaving. Just leave whenever you want. We had a 99.3% retention rate. We lost like one client in three years. One client. Because what we did was so different. And all it was, it came down to the simple things: just make a product that you would use yourself and just be a company that you would want to work with. Now, I wouldn't want to work with a company that's trying to tie me into a four-year contract that wanted to charge me an extra £1,000 every time that two new members of staff joined, every time a new legislation change happened, that would then charge us an extra £50 per head to get the latest training course. And it made no sense to me. And I just thought, um, this is an industry that's ripe to, be, uh, to have a real alternative offered. And that's what I did. When I was a real business boy and not cocking about on YouTube.
0: <laughs> you made an interesting point off air as well. You're saying um, that you weren't creating bespoke material as well. Like mm-hmm. you kind of had the material and you could just keep rolling it out. So you yeah, didn't have to put loads and loads it? of that.
1: Bespoke is bullshit. Uh, build it once, sell it many times. It's like a, that's the easiest thing to do. And that's what happened. So every week we would release new content, but it was the same content being released to our 340 customers. So if I released, um, It'd be good now. So say if like you know Brexit came in and legislation changed happening, it could be, I don't know. Oh, here's a good example. So uh, the mobile phone laws changed and it was um, it went up to six points and 200 pound fine. So we made that one course. So here you go, advise all your staff, whether you be a fleet company, whether you be a haulage company, that it makes sense for your staff to learn it, but also everybody drives to work. So it kind of benefits loads of different companies. But this is just an example. Yeah. Um, We make it once. So it took us a week to make, let's just say. We can roll it out faster than any of our competitors because they're trying to make a three-hour version of it. And to be honest, they're probably, they are big catalogs of courses. We didn't, we were giving them sort of like what's flavor of the month training that's popped up now. So it was good because we were young and we were approaching it from a different angle. But the point is we make that one course and that course is then gets released to all 340 of our customers. They're all happy. It took us a week to make. Now imagine if I was doing a bespoke piece of work for those 340 customers it would take me probably two years to do. So that's why it was make courses that benefited the majority of your clients. And some weeks the course might not really benefit them, but because there was so much value in all the other stuff, it didn't. It never caused a problem. Pretty much anybody, that's in the, any shop that you've been in on the high street or brand that you use that was UK based, and we also launched in Australia, America, used our training. It's mad. I could walk down the high street and go, they're one of my customers, they're one of my customers, they're one of my customers. I'm talking everybody. Matalan, Mothercare, Topshop, Topman, Boots, um, Halfords, anybody, the Trafford Centre, um, MacArthur Glen, Cheshire Oaks, all those kind, like, all those used us, all of them, the Football Association. We absolutely just steamrolled everybody for like two years to the point where they couldn't ignore us and they had to buy us. And
0: that's Got what it, we did. And were there any, any particularly tight situations in those two years? Where things came kind of close to cool, or any. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mean, how we first
1: started, how we first started, we tried to sell it to recruitment companies to offer our training to candidates that couldn't get jobs. This was the very, very beginning. Yeah. Got a deal with Monster. Monster put it out on a mailing list to like, I don't know, like 1.1 million people. We got 11 inquiries. We couldn't sell that product at £40. We couldn't sell that product at £40. Because a £40 pounds, and this is a, a lesson I'll teach you now. I mean, most of you will probably know it, it's basics, but we couldn't sell those courses to help job seekers find jobs or candidates. Number one, because recruitment recruiters, you know, then a lot of them aren't asked, they're looking for a placement. Instead of thinking, oh, potentially I could sell to all the other candidates that didn't get the job and make some money here, you know, they couldn't sell that product, which is mad because we, we had loads of recruitment companies actually buying our products to train their own staff. They just couldn't sell it. So we tried it. Initially, with recruitments, trying to partner recruitment companies, we couldn't sell that product for £40. We had four inquiries, four inquiries at £40. As soon as I then changed who we targeted, target the affluent, we were yep. selling the same product we couldn't sell for £40 for between 5000 and £10,000 a year. The exact same product. But what it was, the value to these companies was far greater than it was. So that's an example of targeting the wrong person so target the affluent is probably one of my biggest um lessons or things to tell people that they need to do if they want to grow a business or um, scale a business or be successful if you're targeting someone with a low value product but you're targeting people that haven't got much money that's a huge decision for them it's easier to sell something to someone with a 10 grand a year budget than it is to sell to, to someone that's only got 10 pound in the pocket at the end of the week regardless of what the thing is and you've just got to give that uh, it's that value they see. So if your boots and I can say we can give you learning material to train all your staff, um, I don't know, 20,000 staff, 30,000 staff, and it's going to cost you £5,000 a year or 10000 money, whatever it might be. That's an easy decision for that budget holder to make rather than you're a job seeker, you might only have £10 to get the bus home. You're not going to spend that £10 on these four training courses that might help you. Um, Get your next job, bro. Does that make sense?
0: Makes perfect sense, man. And once you yeah, so
1: target the affluence. That's what I did. I made a list of the top two hundred richest companies in the UK, and I went after them first. And I was going after them before we even had a product. As in, we only had four courses built because, again, we weren't stupid and didn't build a whole library of courses and then try and sell it because that's pointless. We basically made four courses, and then. Sold a list of these are things that we're going to be making. But if you come on board with this now, you can help shape what we release next, and we will make more content that you want us to make sooner. So, the reason why we released one of our biggest USPs was new content every week. But the reality was, the reason why we released a new content every week is because we were making it that week. We were making the content and releasing it on the Friday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We research, put the course together, put the training materials together, the PDFs, the animated explainer videos upload it to our um, central hub, our customers will then go on, download it, and then put it into their own LMS platform. So that was it's a target, the affluent is a huge thing. You can sell the same, if you can't sell a product, it might be you're targeting the wrong person rather than the product being an issue. That so that was sense. bad. And also like I didn't pay myself, we didn't pay ourselves for like the first what nine months. So we we worked for nine months with no money. We were paying staff more than we were paying ourselves. Um, We're paying some of them, even double, triple what we were taking ourselves. But we always believed in the process. We got an offer from Google to do a 90 grand piece of work. When we'd not took a wage, we turned that down. The reason why we turned that down was it was a three month contract. Again, bespoke bullshit. While it would have been nice to earn a 90 grand bit of work, it would have took away from the plan, which was to sell this business in three years. And we ultimately would have been working for Google for 90 grand. And I didn't want to work for someone. I wanted to work on our business and so we turned down Google that was a 90 grand um, offer to go and make courses that we were selling for 500 pound a month so we turned down 90 grand to because we knew we make that course and sell it to maybe five clients at 500 pound per month that would be worth more to us two years down the line when we were doing the um, exit when we were leaving the business
0: so you didn't take your eyes off that end goal it sounds like
1: yeah what's the point it's like we we had a we had a question a question we had a quote on the wall that does it make the boat go faster and if it didn't we didn't do it and that was it it sounds mad like you know going home and telling your family oh we've turned down 90 grand's worth of work today but i'm not taking a wage for the next two months it's hard for some people to get their head around that but like we i believed in what we were doing so much i had no doubt after maybe two months, three months in that business, that um, I'd be a millionaire within three years, no doubt at all. Like other people, just had my money at that point. And I remember telling one of my friends at a party, actually a Christmas party, and he was like, "Yeah, whatever." And then we're not friends anymore. Weirdly, he was friends up until until we sold, and then he wasn't friends with me. He, like, sorry his ass a little bit. But I was a hundred percent confident that it would work, but not in the point like deluded. I'm a entrepreneur. I'm oh, look, I'm a really successful guy. I mean, I don't wear jewellery. I don't drive a flash car. None of that bullshit, really. I was just quietly confident. Not fake it before you make it. I wasn't living beyond my means. I wasn't Billy really Big Bulls. I just 100% believed in the end goal. And I believe that because we're back with plans, if we just executed that plan, it would work. And it did.
0: That well, was it. What was your strategy, Mike? That that's, I mean... It, like you say, you focus I'd, on... Let me tell you something mad here.
1: I'll tell you something mad here. I never knew who Gary Vee was, Grant Cardone was, Ty Lopez. I'd not heard of any of these people at all until after I'd saw my business. I would never. Heard, I didn't even know this whole world that I now am involved in existed. I didn't, I didn't sit there looking for motivation or looking for a YouTube clip or looking for a shortcut in a course to teach me how to achieve these things. It was just, you just look at the most successful people in the world not one of, and I'm, I'm talking about who are sort of like widely regarded as the most successful business people in the world right now, and this like blows my mind with what I'm doing at the moment. Warren Buffett isn't telling Warren Buffett isn't telling you he works two hours a week from his laptop in the Bahamas. He's not trying to sell you his one secret hack that nobody knows to in stocks and shares. Elon Musk isn't telling you he works four hours a week from wherever. It's like the answer is already out there. We already know you've got to own what you're doing as in the own the ip or it's got to be your own creation if you want to make real wealth i suppose rather than affiliate links with this person or a share of that person or reselling this i'm talking like this is just a generalization there are, are obviously examples of like that but they're unicorn examples um work hard you know and it was just like so you already know the answers if you're online looking for how do i become a millionaire in 12 months? How do I become successful at whatever in 90 days? You're asking the wrong questions. Like if you're searching for those things now, I almost guarantee you're not going to achieve that that thing that you're searching for because you're asking the wrong question. You are only as good as the questions you ask. So, and I think that's like one big thing that it does matter in sometimes. I get messages all the time on DMs. Oh, well, you got rich quick. It was two and a half years. But it wasn't two and a half years because I'd worked in startup businesses for six years before I felt confident enough to have a good crack at it myself. So I'd seen what had worked and what hadn't worked in other people's businesses. And I got paid for my learning. So I was being paid to sit there and be like a sponge and see businesses started up from day one, pretty much, in one of the businesses I worked in. So I'd seen the highs and lows. And I thought, well, I'll take a bit of that. That makes sense to me. Or I don't think they've done that quite right. Or that's quite quite clever. And I'll say to anybody that wants to run their own business or be successful. And when I say successful there, I mean, if you want to talk a monetary figure, there obviously success is measured in so many different ways, but we'll just take it as, sure. uh, let's just say, I want to be a millionaire. And let's just say, we'll all just agree that that is a, uh, the definition of success just for this bit. Why would you pay someone 12 grand to let you join their inner circle Facebook group where it's just copy and paste, you know, cookie cutter content, one size fits all, and you're ultimately being mentored by some other idiot that's six months ahead of you in the process. Because that's ultimately what most of these things are. Um, why would, why would you do that and then potentially lose your 12 grand and not really get the one-to-one um, coaching or mentoring that you need when you could go and do all that learning and get real world experience in a startup business with less than 10, 15, 20 people? There's thousands of them in the UK. There are thousands of them in the UK, and they will pay you for your learning. So you'll get paid to do a far better schooling than you'll ever get from any of these Facebook gurus, these Instagram gurus. These buy my course for one nine nine seven. It blows my mind, really. That's all I did. That's all I did, and read books. I want. Well, I want to learn something. I go read some books on it. Do some research on it. Not how can I shortcut that learning and learn that in seven steps? Or Do you know
0: what I mean? Yeah, i got it, man. I mean, like you say, there's no shortcuts. And hopefully this is a bit of an eye-opener for anyone that's tempted by this. These... Do
1: you know what annoys me? Like, like, work smart, not hard. And it's like you kind of misunderstood that. Like, you think, oh, if you're working hard, you're doing it wrong. It's not. It's, it's work hard at the smart stuff. Like, put all them hours into the smart stuff. Not, I'll work two hours and work hard, uh, work smart. It's like you only that's 50% of the effort there. I think
0: just before we move on, Mike, not as so, funny
1: in real life, am I? <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll get to that in a bit, but when, when you, um, you made the interesting point earlier, mate, so you, you, basically say you, you switched the approach, you targeted the affluent, the people that actually could benefit from the product You moved it to the five to 10 K mark. You, you made a list of like 200 target accounts. Yeah. What was your approach? Cause you said work smart and work smart, work hard, which makes sense. What was your approach to actually gain these on board as customers? Was it all cold calling and outreach and stuff like that? Or did you have a specific strategy you were going to do? LinkedIn made me a millionaire,
1: 100%. Anyone that can't get leads off LinkedIn and can't win business off LinkedIn, crazy. That is an absolute goldmine. If you aren't getting clients, and i say this now, that's why now, and this is where I'm different to other content creators or videographers or people that say, oh, we can get you leads. Your only business you've ever done is being a content creator on LinkedIn. Like you've never run a business and actually got leads and scaled a business and sold a business. That's for most of them. There might be exceptions, but again, generalization. I've done that. I've done that and made millions and millions of pounds. And that's not a claim. That's a fact. It, we sold it to a company. It's on the NASDAQ. You can go and find that. You can research that. It's all there. Um, So it was LinkedIn and it was cold calling those leads as well, but also strategic things. So if we released a course on, let's just say the mobile phone ones, again, a bit of a shit example, but if we released the mobile phone course on Friday, I would then go and think, well, who would benefit from that the most? So every week I had a reason to call a different kind of target market. So it would be anyone that's in haulage would be a good one to call. Any taxi firms would be a good call. Any um, fleet managers would be a good call. So in theory, now it'd be like, oh, here you go. We're releasing this course on Friday. Would you like to have free access so you can train all your drivers on the new rules of uh, mobile phone penalties? So it's 6.200 points, 200 pounds." So it was a combination of LinkedIn and cold calling. That's what I used. So I suppose your mates, Daniel Disney and Benjamin, it was a combination of those two things. But um, I knew exactly who I needed to target on LinkedIn. So it would be any company that was sort of sized between 250 staff to 5,000 staff was like my sweet spot. If they had a learning and development manager, that meant that they had, that was my actual target, that person in that organization. And I would relentlessly go after them uh, using just say, LinkedIn.
0: putting content out and hoping for the best. You were actually specific. You knew who you wanted to target. And yeah, cry. and it was,
1: and it was that this content is specifically speaking to this person. This is what I do for clients now. It's like you tell me who you want, and then I, along with other script writers and researchers and stuff like that, can come up with a message that speaks directly to that person and position you as the person that they need to speak to. Some of this content I see put, being put out there, it's like mind blowing to me. I call it disposable content. That I see a lot of these people doing. It's like. Getting twenty thousand likes on this post is bullshit. It's nonsense. What you want to be doing is creating evergreen lead generating content that will continually drive leads into your business. That's what you need to create that speaks directly to your ideal client avatar. So I do this for other businesses now. My ideal dream is to do it only for people in Warrington because, like, this this is my town, isn't it? So, but. I will work with other people, but yeah, so that's all it was. It was just a through content video yeah. and written content specifically for people that I wanted to work with. And then they came to me and it was like a tipping point. It was hard, obviously for the first year, first year I had 80 clients, um, using us, all corporate clients year two, we got 200 new clients who so were on 280. And in year three, we were on 340, all got through LinkedIn, um, but what had happened is because we had created fans rather than customers, L&D people move around a lot. So they might stay in an organization for six months or 12 months or two years, whatever it might be. So we had the same client buying us into maybe three different companies, you know, when they moved. Yeah. So um, we got loads of repeat business. We got loads of word of mouth referrals after that. It became easy. You hit a sort of tipping point after about 18 months, 18 to 24 months. And then it was almost like, and the good thing was with the model that we had, which was a subscription-based model, I was working walking into the office on the first of the month and knowing, I mean, well, I know I've got a hundred grand coming in this month already. And that's before I pick up a phone. Which most business and that's what I mean about bespoke being bullshit. It's you're not you're not looking for business all the time. It's like, well, they're all paying us every month. What courses are coming out this month to service our existing clients? Right. Then what course can we make now to attract the new client base? So here you go. Let's just say um child safeguarding was a big thing all right okay so if we do a a good child safeguarding course we can then go and approach i don't know nurseries or anyone that deals with like children scouts and blah 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 like that so it's like there you go we can now go and target a new different um market so does that answer your question i've kind of got lost there now. i want to ramble
0: you've covered it and more to be fair mate um and it's refreshing to hear that your, your approach and how you've done it and the no bs approach to linkedin like just just go after your market. Put content that's specifically after them rather than just hoping that your post gets engagement and it's not really relevant to who you want to gen- talk to. It's mad, to isn't it? I see, right, some, yeah. I see
1: some stuff sometimes and I get it. I get why you're doing it, but you've got, you know, double click this because it's a trampoline. Well well done. You've got 17,000 likes. But do you know what I mean? 17, 17 uh, comments or engagement with 17 people that actually want to buy your product would be a far better post. I think people have got too caught up in the the wrong metric on LinkedIn. But like I said, 340 customers all got through LinkedIn through content, written and video in a three or two and a half year time frame, uh, then led to an eight million pound sale. So, so LinkedIn made me a millionaire. And I always say that. So when people say like, oh, LinkedIn is just X, Y, Z, or it's like, no, if you can't do this, you're not using it right. It's still the best platform in my mind to win business, and I, I'm saying this as an actual for a business. It's different if you're like, say, a consultant or a coach or you're a self-employed person. I get that Facebook might be better for you. I get that, but I'm talking as an actual business for lead gen. If you can't generate leads from the posts that you're doing on LinkedIn that convert and continue to convert, if you're doing video content and you're making the right video content, you
0: know, come speak to me fair play let's move on mate so mike Winnet. it's not yeah. actually a real name is it no no
1: so what do you want to know why
0: yeah i mean what i want to know is like i was saying like probably two two and a half years ago i started seeing your content on linkedin i thought cool this guy's putting out some controversial stuff but it's pretty funny he seems to be getting some good traction and i don't really know what his end goal with it is but i'd love to know, you know what,
1: I an end goal, i was bored I was literally bored. like, And that was the worst thing. I got given a lump sum of money, told never to come into work again. I didn't have to do a workout. And then you just sat at home and you're just like, this is mental. And then I was just seeing self-appointed people on LinkedIn. All of a sudden they changed their bio to number one LinkedIn trainer or number one wealth um, wealth guru or number one crypto advisor. And I just thought, like, show me. Like, how are you number one? You've just changed your bio. So all it was, I was just parodying the worst elements of LinkedIn in my mind. That was all I was doing. Um, But yeah, so the name change came and newsflash, guess what happens in real business? When you sell your business and you're good at what you do, businesses pay you not to compete with them. And this is why a lot of these guru courses are bullshit, because if they were really making money in that thing that they sell you, um, they wouldn't be selling their secrets for $97. Because guess what? That would make their real Um, business where they generate all this money a lot harder. You do not turn your customers into competitors. It's stupid as a business model. So guess what? I was paid a lot of money to sit at home and not do what I was good at because they didn't want me to go and set up a rival company and compete with them again in the next two years. So as part of that, and I don't know if if you've ever been through an exit yourself or if you know anyone that has, but normally when an exit happens, they pay a a lump of money up front, ours was 90%. And then they hold the other ten percent in like an escrow account,
0: right? Okay. But then
1: there's certain um, guarantees and warranties put against that money. So it could be, if something comes out the woodwork in three months' time or six months' time that damages the brand, they can then deduct money from this like um, lump sum. So we had one point two million kept in like this escrow account, and um, with uh, we were bought by American company, and obviously Americans haven't got a sense of humor, have they? They listen to can laughter and that got absolutely no sort of sense of humor, taking themselves a bit too seriously. So um the American company told the staff that used to work at uh, the business that I used to run with, um previously, they weren't allowed to engage, like, or comment on my posts. So I just thought, no, because they're a bunch of sad pricks, I'll just change my surname and remove any reference of my real business from my LinkedIn profile. Uh... So I did. Now the joke was, I don't know if you remember. I mean, I say I say joke. It's not it's not it's not funny two and a half years later. But the joke was, I was a bad boss type character, sort like not self aware, giving really bad business advice, like employ women because the you know um, inequality in wages means that your profit margins increase. It was like really shit advice like that. Or ageism is great for business. You don't employ old people because you don't have to keep turning the air conditioning up and down all day. And you know shit stuff like that, right? So the 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 joke was, I had like a long suffering PA. And I wanted Mike Winner because I'm such a winner at business and such a great guru. Because that's all it was. It was like a parody on a guru, basically. And it. Um, win it, where we're from, means a piece of uh, shit attached to an ass hair. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what a Win it is, where we're from. So it was a joke. She deliberately put Mike Winit in when she was changing my name by Depot, <laughs> um, rather than Mike Winner. And then I was stuck with it. And then that's weirdly, brilliant. so it was only going to be a joke for like a couple of weeks. Um Until I got my main money from the big business, that's the real story. Was I was just waiting for money from the big business. I didn't want any link to the old business, so I did this like post on. I've changed my name because I'm such a winner. Changed it to Win It, and the the cover story was my long uh, long suffering PA did it on purpose. And then people used to ring me up and try and book me for things as Mike Win It, and I kept saying that's not my real name. (laughs) And then all of a sudden I thought shit. So now. I've even been booked into hotels and people bought plane tickets for me to do stuff and have tried to book them in Mike its name. It blows my mind. But yeah, so that was it. So that's why my name was Mike Win. It was really because if I didn't and I said something that upset the Americans, it could have cost us, cost us 1.2 million.
0: That last 10%. Got it. Interesting. All right. So then you, you. Well, it wasn't. It was a bit more than 10%. Ah, okay. Fair play. So you were messing around on LinkedIn for a bit and then. Um... What what happened next? You started you started realizing you started looking into the entrepreneur stuff and thought you'd do something there. or Was there no, something no. no so
1: so I was messing about on LinkedIn, and then as a joke I put out that I was doing a um, a demotivational talk. I set myself up as the number one demotivational speaker. So I put up a fake website with fake dates um, of when I was meant to be doing these talks, and then people started leaving reviews for them people started leaving reviews saying that they'd been to these talks and seen me talk for events that had never taken place. So what the the fuck's going on here? So it it was a joke and people saying like, Oh God, I remember I saw him in Bournemouth on the 23rd of, it was amazing. So it became a joke. Um, But the, the entrepreneur, how that happened was I went to a success resources event and like anybody else, you know, everyone knows that you can make money in property. A lot of people don't know how, but you know, everyone's like acutely aware that, there's a lot of property millionaires and, you know, it's a, an appreciating asset. So um I knew about that. I knew about stocks and shares and stuff. But I kept seeing these 23-year-old tr- like Lambo driving lads telling me that they can achieve the same thing I achieved just working four hours a week doing Forex trading or dropshipping or affiliate marketing. I was just interested in it. So when I went, I went to events in London and when I sat there and listened to how these things were being positioned to being sold. And then I was doing my research on the speakers and seeing that most of these people had never achieved the things they were claiming on stage. And I'm sat there in the audience thinking, I've done the things that you're claiming to have done. And I still wouldn't feel comfortable enough to try and tell people you can fit that in a course and sell it and anyone can achieve these things because the stats show you that you can't. Like I've said before, one in 500 people become millionaires. So if you're selling a course telling people they can become a millionaire, like yes, they can, but the reality of it is, there's like, they're they probably not. And if you're okay selling a product that's only got a 0.5% success rate, what other industry would that be allowed? So it just bothered me a little bit, and then I started to look at it, look at them a little bit. It kind of blew my mind. I started noticing the same patterns in the way they pitched, the words that they use, the language that they use, and purely because I was bored, I thought it was interesting. I thought I'm going to document this. And I might just ring fence some money because I couldn't find any unbiased content online about if does affiliate marketing really work, really work? You know, got some people telling me it definitely does work. Well, they're probably selling it, number one. And then you've got people saying it doesn't work, but you're probably an idiot. I thought the truth would fall somewhere between them two things. So um I just thought, well, I'll just make the content I wish was around. So I just started making content for my own sanity. I put those videos on LinkedIn. Seem to piss off a few of the gurus on there. A lot of them tried to get my stuff banned, mainly pod people. Um, tried to get me removed off LinkedIn, so I only put my videos on YouTube, just so I had somewhere to go and I could refer to them on LinkedIn, because that was where my audience was. Um, and then my YouTube channel just grew, and that was it. Then like one video sort of went did quite well, and then that led to Netflix being interested in it. Meeting Gary V.
0: How was that meeting Gary V? <laughs> I watched that video. It was interesting. And it looked like he was hyping you along for a while, but because you were talking about doing a Netflix deal and, and this and that.
1: Yeah, and- Netflix are coming here. Netflix are coming here um, on the 28th of this month. So they're coming here to film some stuff, actually. So I made it to Netflix. Again, a lot of people thought I was bullshitting, right. but I'll be on Netflix. Said I would. Um, um, but yeah, so meeting Gary V. The guy's weird, if I'm honest. It's, he was like hype. He tried to pump me for money, actually, when I was there. Really? It's a really interesting setup? So we obviously you go there, whatever. Look out his window, Empire State Building. Really impressive setup. Um, quite inspiring in some ways. Thinking like, oh, if you could only replicate a smaller version of this in Warrington, you're onto something. Here, I was thinking. But anyway, <laughs> um, no, I'm talking as in like the setup because they yeah. had yeah, yeah. the office was huge, and it was like that section was for that was Twitch live stream. Like even like, oh, there's a breakout area for staff. I'll just tell you like some of the things that are in there, which kind of like made me start thinking so there's a breakout area there and they're all gaming but that's there like they can do that in their own time but that's that's on twitch being live stream so that's actually generating money for their business and it's like oh that's clever whereas other businesses might have um a playstation setup or whatever and it's just staff going there just for a bit a bit of a break but he's smart enough to go oh no we'll stream that on twitch and we'll get paid while people are having their break do you see what i mean I and then it's you. also it's also putting us in front of a different audience and then they've got like a tiktok group and it's like They're just doing TikTok content and that's like getting into young business people. So he was positioning himself as the Richard Branson of the YouTube generation. So I'm like 36. So to me, like Richard Branson seen as like a Alan Sugar. They're old school now to younger people, but they're sort of like real business people that you might look up to and aspire to for my age. But Gary Vee's been clever and he's almost gone for the next, he's like the social media guru. Anyway, so when I was in there, he had rooms all set up and people waiting in those rooms and people had paid $15,000 to have a 10-minute meeting with him. I was there. I was there for free because he'd asked me to come over. But I could have. That meeting would have been $15,000 and it's clever. They would then pitch whatever they, they wanted to him. So it could be like, oh, hi, Gary, I've got this idea. I'm going to launch, I don't know, the podcast studio in Warrington. and Oh, it's going to be a really good thing. And he'd go like, oh, yeah, great. That's a really good idea. I uh, hope it goes well with you. Here, get some pictures with you. And I can leave there with my social media pitch with Gary V." I'm happy. I post it on social media. Loads of people think I'm legit. Now I've met Gary Vee. That was one option. Or he says, shit, that's a really good idea. I want to invest in it. We'll do your marketing. So it was almost like people were paying to pitch to Gary Vee for him to listen. He films it all. So he's got his little soundbite for his YouTube channel, which then again. That's
0: interesting. Okay. Almost like yeah, a so tape.
1: Exactly that. Exactly that. And it blew my mind. I just thought, this is such a smart setup in some regards, but also a bit fucking shady as well. But it was like, I was, it just made me think clever because obviously his time's valuable. And it was like, and then that was why he was in the room when Uber was made. So almost like they think that they're getting value just by meeting Gary Vee. And then when it comes to him saying, I'm interested in investing in your business, you're basically giving them their money back to get a percentage of their business back. Do you know what I mean? So I thought it was quite a clever setup, smart, and it created content for him. And then- so, first of all, it, it wasn't really interesting what we had to do. It's hard to explain the entrepreneur, sort of, without seeing it, it's hard to kind of understand it or explain it. So, I told him, and then when I told him it was at his event, he went a bit weird. And then um, he asked me to cut the cameras, asked me who the worst entrepreneur was, I told him he was bouncing off the walls. Yes, yes. Who was it? Uh, no comment. I will I will say it, just not going to say it now. There's a, there's a time and a place when I'll, I'll reveal who it was. Um, but anyway, so... Yes, I don't like that person, the worst person in the industry, yada, yada, yada. And then it was, um, we can say it's the Netflix. And then he goes, how serious about you, sorry? I was like, well, pretty serious, Gary. I've been doing it for a fucking year. Um, and then he was like, we can make this happen for you. Um, I want to know how serious, um We can do this for you. We can create it and take it to Netflix for you for $25,000. I went, what? It's what? So like, if you are serious. I was like, no, oh, I don't need you to do this for me. But I think a lot of people would have buckled there. Because his normal client, because I, again, like I said to you, I didn't know who these people were. So I wasn't like a Gary Vee fan. I wasn't like a massive Gary V fan. I thought to me, this was just a guy that said, do you want to meet up? I'd obviously seen that he had a big audience and stuff. And I thought there might be something in this for either the entrepreneur, which we're filming anyway, do you know what I mean? Or there might be like an opportunity to work together here. So I was going there open-minded. Let's see what comes of this. Um, Rather than I'm a massive Gary Vee fan. I can't believe he's invited me over here. Let's get our pictures taken and stuff for our social media. I was actually really, really ill when we were there as well. I nearly didn't go. I didn't I got food poisoning on the plane. I didn't, I didn't even go out in New York at all. I um, know. It was, yeah, it was mad. But um anyway, so we tried to pump me for 25 grand. And then when I said no, he suddenly changed his tack He was like, oh, I was only joking. It was a test. It was a test to see how much you're really committed to this. And you've impressed me there. And I thought, you little sly bastard. You've tried to pump me for 25 grand. I'm not having it. And then you've backtracked and you've gone like, oh, we can work together. We'll we'll sort the Netflix thing out. So I I knew at that moment in time, like, nah, you want me to do this with you. So you look like the good guy. And I know this might sound mad. I can do, I can sort Netflix out myself. Turns out we, we have done. Like, again, you, you can do all these things yourself. You don't need people to shortcut these these things for you. But most of the time it's, you can do this stuff. So, Um. That Was it with Gary? Never seen or heard from him since, at all. Um,
0: uh, that's interesting, yeah.
1: Proper weird guy, but during the meeting as well, there'd be times where he'd stand up and start shouting at someone, like and then, but we obviously cut that all out because that's like another episode. We've got like a, is Gary a good guy or is Gary a bad guy episode. We can put out two different versions of that.
0: So interesting, okay, cool. Was yeah. there
1: anyone- but weirdly, as well, like he is just like some people are like oh what's Gary v like meeting him he is exactly like every other business owner that i've ever met pretty much ego fragile what what's the audience think of me when when i said that what was the audience like when this guru was speaking you know do you, do you think they like me and stuff it's just like they're all the same they're all the same and all these people it's weird now because now oddly i meet people that i meet a lot of people that other people might look up to and think like oh it must be amazing meeting that person but they are just as amazing or interesting as fucking lad that sits next to you in a tele, um When you're on the in telly sales, or your, your, your team leader in BT where I used to work, or your team leader, your team leader, they're all pretty much the same. It's mad, really, how how un uh, what would you, unimpressive they are. Is that the word? Do you know what I mean?
0: Uh, I so. what? Yeah, I think it's the Yeah, I do. I see where you're coming from. Is there? Yeah, any- literally.
1: And I, I always think. I always think like sometimes people are. Like, oh, you're funny in YouTube content. I think I'm the biggest disappointment in real life. <laughs> like I'm a businessman that makes YouTube content. I don't see myself as a YouTuber. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. yeah it's yeah. mad sometimes,
1: and it's and that's how come I think again with any of the content I'm making, I'm coming at a, a different angle from a lot of these people, and that's why I'm not asked. Like if I woke up tomorrow and I lost thirty thousand subscribers off uh, followers off LinkedIn, it it literally makes zero difference to me. Because it's, it is not a metric I value or put any value on. If I lost 10,000 YouTube subscribers, it makes no difference to where I make my money from. Or it makes no difference to um my value or the work that I do. In a weird way, I'm doing this for a different... I'm not doing it for that. So it, it kind of makes... And that's why sometimes when people say like, you need to jump on this hack or that hack, or you need to... Um, growth hacking and stuff, it's like you're kind of valuing the wrong thing, I think. And you're growing in the wrong way, I think. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does to I mean, it, it does to a certain extent. I mean, what I wanted to ask as well, Mike, was is there anyone that you thought you were going to bust as a entrepreneur that actually came across as a straight shooter who you thought I was pumping all these people for money and then when you went to do something with them, they were actually pretty straight or have they all been pretty crooked?
1: Uh, it, it's relative, isn't it? And it's subjective. So again, like one man's entrepreneur is another man's, I don't know, inspiration. There is no hard and fast sort of rule. I think you know if someone is or not. And I would say this, if you think my content is directed at you and you do these things and you think I am talking about you, you're 100% right. If my content offends you and you think I'm out of order for my content, you are probably the problem. It's interesting, someone messaged me today on LinkedIn or left a comment on LinkedIn and said he's part of like a market, marketing organization and I've got some proper diehard supporters and fans within his sort of peer group. Yet equally, I've got, there's loads of marketers that I hate what I do because I'm kind of, i not exposing, maybe too strong a word, but I'm talking about the things or the tricks of the trade openly, I suppose. Like getting the, getting the Amazon bestseller with a blank book, I thought that was genius. Like I was... I, I could have just told you how to do it and everyone would have been like, oh yeah, well, that's just opinion. But the difference is with my content, I think is it's not opinion, it's fact. I'm actually going to get a bestseller with a blank book to show you how easy it is to game that that system, how easy it is and bullshit that actual accolade is. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, there's there's so that. One, it's like, out.
1: oh, I'm not just saying, uh, let's just take, I'm not just saying this guru is a entrepreneur. And it's just my opinion from the outside. I will go and drop six grand on his course, do his course for a year, pay someone to do it full time, target that person in my office to do that thing and reveal that real results. So I've not just got a shit review about your product. If your product is good, I will say it's good. Just so far, absolutely none of the courses I have done have got anywhere near the results they've promised. Not one, not a single one. have got anywhere near the results promised in any of their marketing. I was going to. And I'm not an idiot. I'm not an idiot that's deliberately trying to fail. Like that's a stupid business idea. I want them all to work. I said this at the very beginning. I want every investment that I made during this entrepreneur phase that I've done for the last two years to work. Why wouldn't I? Because I would like to become a millionaire in crypto, dropshipping, affiliate marketing, um, crypto mining, stocks and shares, property flipping no money down. I'd love to have done all these things. But the reality is not one of them has got anywhere near the returns. And again, it's not through fault uh, through fault of trying or want of trying. I'm trying my best to be successful. And it's not like, and, and this is why I think a lot of people fail. If you're in a job and you've never worked for yourself or run a business, and then you're trying to learn a new topic, say like um, dropshipping, let's just say, you've got two learning curves there. You've got I'm now self-employed, got to be self-motivated and have to run a business and I've got to learn about dropshipping. See what I mean? Well, I've already done half of this learning. I can do all this bit. I do that as my day job. I've done that previously. I've successfully scaled and sold this business. So I only have to learn. I've got to do half as much learning as most of the people that would buy these courses and I still can't succeed at them. Do you see what I mean?
0: Was there any big surprise there, Mike? Because like you say, you've tried a lot of different stuff. Crypto mining.
1: Crypto mining was the biggest one. I lost thirty-two thousand pounds on that last year. Blimey! All for your entertainment. Go on uh, YouTube.com forward slash might win it and watch me lose thirty-two grand. But yeah, so yeah, that was the biggest one. I honestly believed that there might have been something more in that, but it was not to be. So lesson learned. Uh, do you know what actually does make money? Um, being what? good at something like a. a and working really hard and getting customers to buy that thing or pay you for that thing you're good at. Weirdly, I've made more from LinkedIn banners in the last six months than I've made from any of my passive income investments for the last two years. Isn't that a surprise to most people? So what I mean? And that goes to show if you actually do something that you're good at and you charge people for it, you will make more money than trying to find this mystical passive income thing that works. Now, passive income is a real thing, But that's long-term. So my stocks and shares make make a lot of money. But I've not been able to touch that money. I've left it in because the longer I leave it in, um, the more it'll be worth. Property. All my properties have gone up in value. So that makes money. But it's not tangible money in my hand or in my pocket. It's just money that I can't touch for 10, 15, 20 years. So as unsexy as it sounds, passive income works if you're willing to wait 25 to 30 years for that passive income. If you're trying to invest in stocks and shares and short things and try and jump on the next trend and buy and sell and try and flip your money in seven, 14 days, you want to hide into nothing for the most part. There are exceptions, like I said, but for the general population, you're not going to game and make a quick win they don't exist.
0: And you've tried most of them, haven't you now?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I'm going to start doing something now where I'm going to start trying a lot more and start making it's hard when you're trying to do YouTube content because you want to show people what your idea is and then you want to show people, but I'm not going to give a result after seven days. So some of these things I've been in for one year, two year, and I've not even put the content out yet. It's hard when you're doing stuff like this. So I'm going to start, I think uh, maybe doing like weekly updates. So it will be shorter updates, whether that be a blog, I don't know whether it be, I don't know a forum or something where it could be, do you know what? We've done this and that's, we invested in this. It's made 50 pound this week. or it's made a hundred pound this week, or we've still got one of the crypto mining rigs. So last week, for example, we switched from Raven coin to ether. So we swats yeah, oh. Ethereum. So we, we swats coins. Now that's not worthy of a YouTube video, but that might be of interest to someone that's actually thinking, you know, do you know what? I like Mike Winnet's channel. He's open and honest. He's not trying to sell us anything he's given his real results. Why has he moved to that coin? That's interesting to me because he's not trying to do it through his own affiliate link or whatever. So I want to know why the reasons has, and I might copy him for doing that if it works. That's kind of where I see my content going, if you think, but I can't really do that on YouTube because that's not worth. that would be a 30 second video. There's no point in putting a 30 second video on YouTube. Do you know what I mean?
0: Fair play, mate. Is that the main, main next plan in the pipeline then, moving on from the entrepreneur stuff and. Uh...
1: Uh, no, so I've got the podcast studio. Again, I only made this because of a lockdown.
0: Does it look alright on camera? It's weird because
1: yeah. I'm actually talking to a camera, here, so
0: yeah. we've put it full screen for the video version, so everyone can have a good look around now. Yeah, so so
1: this I'm, I'm gonna we can brand this as anybody. We can change the color of the lightings in here. We can change the background. So this is so if anyone wants to have a podcast produced and they don't know what the what they're doing, we can produce it for you. Um, we can do video. So there's that we can do um, podcast packages for people that want to podcast with them. We've got the video editing and content packages. If people want to raise their profile and gain links, uh, sorry, leads from LinkedIn. So we've got that side, which is called Iron Productions. So that's uh, sort of the main business that we do. And then we've got a podcast that's going to be LinkedIn only. And that's designed to teach people a sort of skill or thing every, well, every episode that will benefit their business. So people can watch for free. And we will get experts in that do things really, really well. And they can tell other people on LinkedIn sort of their tip or things that they do in their business that makes them sort of number one. And they can then obviously it can be implemented. We've got that. I've got a secret business that I'm building at the moment that when I release that, I think it's going to be my next big one. That's in development stage at the moment. I've just dropped £15,000 on a website development for that. I'm not going to tell you anything about that yet in terms of what it is, but it's good. And then I've got the contrapreneur. So in theory, I've got like four things that I'm doing at the moment as well as like just cocking about on LinkedIn. Um, and then the contrapreneur. we've just took a lad on called Chris um, and he is looking at all ways that we can possibly, I think there's something in it. It's weird. It was, it was never the end game. It, it's kind of developed into, I get probably 140 messages every week saying, what do you think of this thing? What do you think of that thing? Do you think this guy's legit? Do you think that guy's legit? What about this? What about that? Can you help me do this? So I think there's something in that. So I'm going to have a look with Chris, see if there's anything we can develop there and maybe build like a sort of community, almost like Rotten, is it called Rotten Tomatoes? You know, like the film critics. Oh yeah,
0: for the film reviews and stuff, yeah. Where
1: we can almost go, look, I'll try something. I'll give it my score. And then the community can also talk about their experiences with this thing. And it's almost like a place where you can go, and it's almost like, it's not like a safe safe place for these people that are in uh, this. And it's not just to say these things don't work. I'm hoping that some people say, actually, this did work. Or, you know, I have been flipping products on Etsy or eBay. And I make seven 700 quid a month doing this. And it's like, okay, well, let's tell us how do you do it. And let's all help each other. Because, you know, I don't know, just because it's interesting, I suppose. So that's it. So I've got loads going on.
0: Yeah, loads of the pipeline. Um, outside, man. All right. yeah. we've covered we've covered just about everything i think Mike. we've covered your story we've covered what's going on with your businesses we've covered a bit about the it's series mad at that,
1: though, doesn't it your story i always say it's, everyone's got a story like, everyone's got a book in it but most people should leave it there i think linkedin's become that hasn't it like just Pretty much autobiographies <laughs> Mike, like, like no one cares today really what you got you know like that's what i would say like you like so you said to me before like oh what you've done is quite interesting but really it's not really that interesting it's just i had an idea executed it didn't tell anyone about it while i was doing it and just did it like that was it stay off social keep your head down just do it
0: get it done what's well, some mike we'd like to ask everyone that comes on is there one thing that you think businesses should be doing with digital marketing that's going to help actually grow their business
1: making evergreen content really it's it's that it's it's actually thinking of lead generating content and it's things where if you've got sales guys in your business that repeat the same thing over and over again on each call or with every client why the hell haven't you turned that into either an animated explainer video or a a piece of content that you can put on the on the internet somewhere that then talks your ideal client avatar because you are then reducing a stage in your sales cycle it's like that is the is is what I think people need to be doing. So it, it might not be the answer you're looking for, and I might not have really understood it properly, but that is something that I tell all our clients. No, make these bits of content. You don't want to do just a, I don't know, you don't want to just do sort of disposable content. You want to be really thinking, right, okay, that speaks to that ideal client avatar, and I can make sure that this bit of content is always seen by that ideal client avatar, and then that will send people to my business as a qualified lead. That's what I think.
0: So that's pretty sound advice, to be fair. Makes yeah. sense to me. All right. Uh, well, thanks for coming on, Mike. Um who want to connect with yourself, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you or your business?
1: Uh, YouTube's the best. You know, that's probably where my best content is. That's probably where I'm most interested in growing or LinkedIn. I can't accept any more followers, uh, any more connections or whatever. I do do a call every week. I delete 25 to 50 connections every week. There's a tip for you. Um, if you want to grow your audience, start getting rid of people. That's what's worked for me. There is a reason for that as well, but I'll have to tell you about that another time. But uh, yeah, so just uh, LinkedIn might win it or YouTube might win it.
0: Nice, man. And if you could thank one, just one person for having a positive influence on yourself and your career, who would that be and why?
1: Um, so this guy died recently. Uh, I would say without him knowing, he was my mentor. He didn't charge me for it. He didn't throw me in a Facebook group. He didn't charge me 12 grand a year. So it was Martin Machin. When I first wanted to set up my startup, uh, when I first went to leave and set my own business, uh, sorry, leave his business, he said, I think you should go. It's good for you. You're ready now to go and sort of do this on your own. If it doesn't work out, you've always got a job here. And then I spoke to him probably every three to six months when different things come up that I didn't think I could handle or understand or struggled with. He'd always like, listen, help me out. Never ask for anything in return. The only thing I do is like buy him a meal every so often. So he was like a mentor to me and a massive influence, probably more than he even realises. Unfortunately, he died recently and like, we're not even able to go to a funeral or anything because of you know coronavirus and that. So it's Martin, really. and Hopefully, there's some people watching this that know him. It had a massive impact on people that worked with him. One of the nicest guys in business as well and proof that he can be a good guy, do things right, and be successful.
0: Nice man. That's a good tribute. Well,
1: I, mean, I mean, no one knows that. I could have gone, hey, Grant Cardone, like most people would have never met the guy. Do you know what I mean? this is someone real that didn't know he was a mentor wasn't screaming wasn't even on social media he was just a proper business guy that sort of had good advice and didn't want anything in return and do you know what even if i did things and i didn't take his advice he hates the might win it stuff by the way right he thinks it's pointless but um with my real business he was a massive help for me
0: well thanks again mike appreciate you coming thanks. on and thanks. um If you've enjoyed the show, be sure to hit subscribe, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever the heck you get your podcast, or follow us on YouTube. And um, yeah, thanks very much for everyone to tune in. Appreciate it. Are you tired of constantly hunting for new customers? You could be missing out on regular inbound opportunities, all because your website isn't on the first page of Google. Perhaps you're already spending lots of money on advertising, but your website is failing to convert all of your hard-earned visitors into a consistent flow of new customers. If you'd like to learn more about our unusual approach that brings idle clients straight to you, connect with Sam Dunning on LinkedIn, or book a free 20-minute consultation via webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Subscribe today for more digital marketing, sales, and business growth tips from the experts.